Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Guys, we are, we are sitting here talking with Kelly Lester specifically about the abortion industry. And and really, a lot of the things, it's, it's you know, obviously it's heartbreaking. And I think about it uh, in terms of the Apostle Paul, you know, having some insights in terms of being a Pharisee, being a Pharisee of Pharisees, so to speak, and then coming to Christ and said, he saved me for this purpose that everyone can know that they can be saved. And, you know, I hear that when I hear your testimony as well, yeah. and specifically that we can also use the information that you gathered during that time to be able to warn people about the abortion industry, to be able to warn people that there are babies being murdered. And we need to be serious about this. And we need to need to also make sure that we're out there loving people and wanting to bring them back uh, to know Christ specifically, because I think the only pro-life position is one for pro-eternal life and for bringing people to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, because people can be pro-life all the way to hell, but we want to make sure that they know Jesus. And I think one of the beautiful things, as you said, you specifically realized, hey, the imago Dei, the the fact that we are made in the image of God. And so obviously when someone's made in the image of God, they have worth because God is the one who made them. And I think that is absolutely beautiful uh, to hear that. And I would love to kind of go a little bit for those who are, you know, that listen to the Good Fight radio show. And, you know, a lot of the people here, we have been out front of abortion clinics. We have people that do it more on a regular basis. Um, I've been alongside Pastor Joe as well. We've done it not only locally, but also out in Amsterdam and so forth, uh, sharing the gospel out in front of those abortion clinics. So I'd love to maybe do a few, maybe some practical ways to be able to share because you're in this now. You've been there and now it's like, hey, I want to know how can I share with someone who is contemplating an abortion? So I'd love for you maybe to, to help us out with some practical ways to share with a mother and maybe even, because I think people forget also the the dad behind that as well, to share some practical ways that we could share with them to pull them out and away from uh, wanting to kill their baby. Yeah, I think, you know, Chad, I, I do sidewalk ministry and sidewalk counseling. And and oftentimes I'll go straight to the pro, um, pro-choice, pro pro-abortion people and, and get into conversations with them because I want to, you know, I want to talk to them about why do they believe what they believe. And when I talk to them, I never bring up the baby, which I know sounds kind of contraint, you know, counterintuitive, but I don't ever talk about the baby. I don't try to convince them that this is a baby. I don't try to convince them that this is, you know, not a lump of cells because the reality is nobody really believes that. They may say that, that may be like a phrase that they say, but nobody thinks she's got a kitten inside of her or thinks that, you know, any of those things. And so I don't talk about the baby. I talk about the woman. I talk about the woman and her choice. Is she actually be giving a choice? Is this clinic actually going over all of her choices? If she decides that she wants to keep the baby, are they going to give her resources? 
Are they going to direct her to an OBGYN? Are they going to do are they going to, if she decides she wants to place a baby for adoption, are they going to give her resources in that and support her in that? Are they going to do those things? And they never know whether they are or not. And I can tell you for sure they're not. I oftentimes talk about informed consent. And this was something that I discussed a little bit earlier, but something that people do not know, really, really know. So when you go for any kind of medical procedure, they will discuss with you what the procedure entails. They will discuss with you possible risks, possible side effects, possible repercussions, what could go wrong, et cetera. Then the day of the procedure, the doctor comes in, goes with you what he's going to do, what to expect, all of the things that are going to happen with that. After the procedure, the doctor comes in and he discusses with you, okay, this is what the procedure happened. This is what went wrong. This is what went right. This is what you should expect. We're going to have a follow-up appointment to see where you are. None of those things happen with an abortion. And so I'll often talk about an Olympic athlete, like if I'm on the sidewalk and I'll say, so we have an Olympic athlete who's now found out she's pregnant and she knows that if she has this baby, that it will ruin her chance of going to the Olympics right now. So you think that it would make sense for her to have an abortion, right? And the person says, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the reasons I think she should have an abortion. I said, okay, seven years from now, this Olympic athlete is married and she wants to have children. And her and her husband are trying to have children, but they cannot seem to get pregnant. And they don't know why they can't get pregnant. But do you know why they can't get pregnant? Because seven years ago, when she came in for that abortion that you think makes perfect sense for her to have, they perforated her uterus. And when she left, no one told her. She didn't get any follow-up care. And so now she will never be able to have children because of what happened in that procedure room. Do you still think that that abortion was okay? And overwhelmingly, they say, well, I think she should have the abortion, but I don't think that that, that that standard of care should be okay. Exactly. That is the standard of care at every abortion clinic around the nation. And so when you start putting those kinds of thoughts in people where they realize this isn't actual health care, you know, I'll also say, so we think that poor underserved women need health care, correct? And that's why we need these clinics at these neighborhoods, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We need health care for these poor underserved women. If we're trying to help these poor underserved women, why are we charging them $1,000 for an abortion? Why are we making these poor, underserved women decide whether they're going to pay for their rent, pay for their car payment, pay for their car insurance, or whether they're going to choose to have this abortion? If we really want to give them, if they, we really want to serve them, why aren't we doing this for free? And they are, they'll go, well, I, 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 don't, I didn't know it was $1,000. I know you didn't. So when people begin to see the reality of that, I will tell people, go look at Planned Parenthood's year in review from last year. This wasn't put out by me. This was put out by Planned Parenthood. If you look at their review, every number went down on their review except two numbers. Those two numbers were abortions and profits. Mm. Every other form of healthcare went down last, last year. Now, the other thing that people don't realize is that in an abortion, when they medically code, because obviously there's a medical coding system for abortions, when they medically code an abortion, it is coded as 13 separate procedures. So the ultrasound, that's one code. 
the pregnancy test, that's one quote. They give an STD test because it's statistics show that if you have an STD and have an abortion, there are more complications afterwards. That's a medical code. If they give them a pamphlet or give them birth control, that's a code. If they, in every single thing that they do that is directly correlated to the abortion, it's not an outside thing, that is medically coded as you know, 13 different procedures. So when you see all of these things that they're doing, most of those you can directly link to abortions. And I mean, it's there's so much that you can talk about with the standard of care. Why are they not discussing with you what's going to happen during your pr procedure? Why right now, especially with COVID, they've used this to their benefit where they will not let people accompany these women to their appointments. Well, I've already told you why they don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Same reason we didn't do it then. They've used COVID to their benefit. Another thing that they began doing is taking women's cell phones because they don't want them sitting in the receptionist room looking up resources or if they saw a sidewalk advocate checking the resources while they're waiting in the room. And all of it is to control the narrative and to manipulate these women because they don't want them to have all the facts. The issue of the baby, I know that it's a buzzword that we often do. And obviously the babies are important. I mean, there's no question that the babies are important, but I would be surprised if a 10th of the women entering into that abortion clinic actually thought that they weren't aborting a baby because they wouldn't go there if they didn't think they had a baby. What they want to know is what resources are there for me? Who's going to help me? How am I going to do this? You know, what, what am I going to do about college? What am I going to do about my scholarship? If I go to a Christian school and they're going to kick me out, who's going to help me with that? Those are the things they're looking for the answers of. Um, so informing them, on the standard of care and then giving them resources. That's the, those are the two areas that I really try to stick with. Not so much talking about the baby um, because honestly, the people going in don't care about the baby at that point, which mm -hmm. I know sounds hard and I know it sounds, you know, calloused, but these are women in crisis that are trying to figure out the next couple of weeks. They're not thinking about that baby or that baby's future. Um, and so that's, that's what I found has worked for me. Wow. I just, uh, that is incredible to think about. And like you said, you know, deep down, they do know that's a baby, you know? And so that, that is interesting. And, you know, have you seen a, a change somewhat? Cause I, I believe we've noticed it as well, where a, Previously, it seemed like what Planned Parenthood and a lot of the narrative that was put out was it's a sad thing to have an abortion, but it should be rare, but it should be legal. And now it seems like it's uh, it's something else. Have you have you noticed that as well? Well, absolutely. Well, part of it is that the narrative of it's a clump of cells. <laughs> Come on now, like that it's science, right? Like we want to talk about science. That's just science. So that initial narrative, well, oh, it's just a clump of cells. Well, ultrasound technology has come to the fact where we know that's not real. So then it was, well, we want it to be safe and legal, rare, safe and legal. But the problem with rare, safe and legal is they don't make money on rare, safe and legal. And so now it is on demand without apology. That is their catchphrase. That is where they're going for abortion on demand without apology, because there's a lot of money to be made in that. Now, the other thing that we haven't even discussed is um, a chemical abortion. 
So abortion by pill. Mm -hmm. And for anyone listening, that is something that should bring you holy reverent fear because the abortion industry is moving to a telemedicine side of abortion. Now, what that means is as a doctor or a nurse or a nurse nurse practitioner, I will do a telemedicine vid visit with a client and I will ask her, what was the date of your last menstrual period? She will tell me what that is. Now, Chad, I know you're not a woman, but I can tell you that very few women know the date of their last menstrual period. Okay. We know about, but we don't know exactly, especially not a 15 year old girl, especially not a 17 year old girl or an athlete who doesn't have a regular cycle. Um, and so they ask you the date of your last menstrual period. And then based on that, you may qualify for abortion by pill, which in their words is a very natural way to do it. It is very private. And guess what? It's $450 versus $1,000. So if you are within that seven to 10 week period, I as a doctor will prescribe you abortion by pill, which you will take, I will watch you take the pill on the video screen. And then the next day you will take several more pills that will gently empty your uterus. So you are starving the baby, then causing yourself a miscarriage to have a miscarriage, an abortion in your home. Now, this is the thing. What if that baby is not seven weeks along? What if that baby's 12 weeks along? Or what if that girl is just lying because she knows she doesn't want to pay $1,000, she wants to pay $450, and that baby's 16 weeks along? This girl, we are now trusting to have this procedure in her home by herself with zero medical care. If she lives through this situation, which she may, she may not, she is going to have to return to the scene of that trauma every single day because it's in her bathroom. And if you've seen the movie Unplanned, that's a wonderful scene. That scene is why that movie got a rated R rating. Because of, the, because of the blood and the violence of that scene. But I can tell you that that scene is very accurate for many women, that that scene is not, that is not an isolated thing. And so we're asking these young girls to do this at home by themselves with zero medical care. Now, how many of those girls do you think are gonna go in in six weeks for a follow-up appointment to make sure that their uterus is empty and to make sure that everything's okay? I can tell you right now, they're not. And so, this is the way that the abortion industry is going. They, I could show you a, an ad where they had a hand holding a pill and it says abortion pills are magic. This is Planned Parenthood putting this out. I could show you another ad where it says we get everything else delivered to our home. Abortion should be no different. And so that is the direction that the movement is that the abortion industry is moving into because they know that the clinic model isn't working and they know that we are standing outside changing hearts and changing minds. And so this is where they're going. And it is terrifying to think that this is the health care that we're providing these young girls. Oh, man, it is. It is so heartbreaking. And. I think it'd be great in, in this episode as well to go through some of those patented arguments that you hear, that, that your mm -hmm. kids are hearing on TikTok. Uh, that mm -hmm. is very, very popular. Pro-abortion, pro-choice arguments on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and so forth. And one of the first ones that I hear specifically, and they say, the reason I am getting an abortion 
is because I do not have the money or resources. I'm a young person. I don't, I don't have this. And if I bring that child into this world, they are not going to be provided for. What is something you would say to someone like that? I would say contact us at Loveline. <laughs> Plain and simple. There are there are resources for you out there. If that money should never be a reason why you have an abortion, um, because there are countless organizations that will help you, that will support you, that will help you with rent, that will help you with um, car payments, that will help you find a job, that will help you with childcare, that will help you with housing, that will help you with anything that you need to keep that baby. And I can tell you for one, Loveline is one of them. Um, you can text our crisis line and we will hook you up with a case manager who will walk with you through the process to make sure that you can keep this baby. And and we don't put a time limit on it. It's not for the first year or for whatever. It's We want the women to be empowered. We want to see them get their educations. We want to see them get good jobs. We want to see them come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Amen. We want to see all of those things so that they can not only choose life, but that they can have an abundant life. And so Loveline, hands down, I would send anybody with that thought that way. No, and I think this is this is great because this really is the hands and feet of the body of Christ. This is exactly mm -hmm. what we want. We want people to have these resources right on their phone. You can put it in your notes. If you can't remember it, just please copy, paste, put it in your notes because if you're talking to someone who's considering that, whether it's at your work, whether it's at your school, whether it's one of your friends, little friends, guys, this is perfect. You have somebody, and, and I, I think you already squashed one of the arguments that I've seen, I'm pro-life from womb to the tomb. And so, you know what? I, I don't need to be out there telling people not to kill babies. I just, I care after they're born. You only care before, but you see hands and feet of the body of Christ are working to give these resources. Yeah. They're out there. People that love Jesus are saying, that's a lie. We actually care not just the pre-born, we care after they've given birth and we want them to have resources. We want their mother to be able to take care of them. And I think that is absolutely beautiful. What a great resource to be able to use. And I please, I beg you, go put that in your notes. Remember it so that you're able to say, wait a second, I know someone who can help. And I, and I love that you brought that up. Um, you know, there's another one that people use all the time. And this one honestly hurts my heart when I bring it up. But it's something I've heard a number of times, uh, especially because I have people um, with Down syndrome that I love in my life that are very close to me. But somebody, they do this test. In fact, I, my wife and I were offered the test before we were pregnant to see if our baby would have Down syndrome. And we mm -hmm. did not take that test because it was useless for us. And I said, uh, you know, people are told, hey, my baby's going to have Down syndrome. Their quality of life is not going to be high. So we are going to end their life so they will not live a low quality of life. Yeah, I, uh, I'm like you. I have a couple of people with Down syndrome that I love. So... I think anybody that thinks someone with Down syndrome has a low quality of life, first off, has never been around somebody with Down syndrome <laughs> because they are some of the most loving, kind people I've ever met. But the reality is they don't know 100% that your baby's going to have Down syndrome. They don't know that. I, too, was told that my Hosanna was going to have Down syndrome. Um, based, She had every marker to indicate it. And they asked me, did I want to take that the test to determine? And I said, no, because I don't care either way, whether she's going to have Down syndrome or not. She's my daughter and I'm going to love her. 
But I understand that there's some people that the thought of a child with a with a, a disability is is a bit scary. But doctors don't know 100% of the time. And I have countless friends who have gone forth with that test and have been told that their baby was going to have Down syndrome. And they've proceeded with the pregnancy and their baby has been born without any kind of disability at all. So there's no way to know for sure. Um, the other thing, you know, there are oftentimes ones where there are situations where they can see, maybe it's not Down syndrome, maybe it's something else that is a very evident um, dis disability or malformation or something like that. We don't know where science is going and what resources science has and advances that science is gonna make. And so what may seem like an impossible situation may not be impossible with science, but I can tell you somebody who it's definitely not impossible with, and that's the Lord. Now that's a difficult conversation if you're talking to somebody who's not a believer because they don't understand that. But at what point, at what stage, at what amount of disability do we consider somebody's life invaluable? Mm -hmm. Is it a blind person, they have a disability, is their life invaluable? A deaf person, somebody with ADHD, somebody with, you know, there's so many different things that we could say this person has a lesser quality of life. What, at what point do we say, okay, that at that level, your life is valuable, but at this level, it's not. Um, and so having those conversations with people sometimes helps. Um, there are resources. Again, I've never parented a child with special needs. I've never parented a child who um, had some sort of disability or medical issue. But I know many people who have, and it is hard. It is definitely hard, but there are resources out there. Um, and to just breathe, first off, breathe. I think oftentimes in those situations, people are rushed into making decisions that are not necessarily crises. I'm not saying that you want to continue on and on and on, but a lot of times if we just sit back and we wait and we breathe, and if you're a believer, if you pray, if you look for counsel, if you look for other families who have children with that, um, you know, that disability or that special situation, you can see the beauty in those situations and, and get hope. And I can tell you that an abortion of a child that has a disability is just as traumatic as an abortion with a child who does not. And an abortion, the after effects on the woman who has had to abort a child that has Down, or not has had to, but has decided to abort a child because of Down syndrome, the trauma is the same. Now, I will also say that there is a very big difference. Something else that the abortion industry has done a really good job of doing is twisting the term abortion, because oftentimes they will take, um, if a baby has died in utero, or if a baby does not have the ability to thrive outside of, of the uterus, let's say the brain, there's an issue with a brain or, or something like that, and there is a medically induced miscarriage, they will call that an abortion. And that is not the same thing. Um, if your baby will not survive outside of your womb, then that is not the same thing as choosing an abortion because of a disability. Um, and so we have to be very careful with that because oftentimes women are told that have a, a baby that will not thrive or not live outside of their womb 
that they are having an abortion. And that is not that is not the case. That is not um, that is not true. Um, and so we have to be careful with that because we don't want to, you know, cause pain where there doesn't need to be caused pain. But we also don't want to muddle the issue of abortion. Abortion is killing a baby that will live and choosing to remove it from your womb, not removing a baby that is already dead, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, no, uh, definitely. And, you know, we only got about five minutes. So, of course, that's the perfect time to ask one of the more common objections, of course. But nonetheless, nonetheless, we do need to ask it because this is if I'm out on the streets or if we post something on our Facebook page uh, that is pro-life, then obviously they say, well, what about the baby that came from rape or incest? Shouldn't that woman not have to carry that baby if that baby was there because of rape and incest, what would you say to someone who asked that? Yeah, I would say that the value of that child is no less because of how the baby came into the world. Is the value of a child who came through a one night stand any less valuable than the, or a, a two week, you know, a two week relationship any more, any less valuable than somebody who comes out of a marriage that's been going on for 10 years? And we know the answer is no. But I would say again, let's talk about the woman. The, any woman who has gone through a rape, and I myself have been raped, fortunately, I never conceived in that. And I can't imagine the difficulty of that. But any woman who has been raped has gone through an incredible trauma. And an abortion is a trauma. And so the answer to one trauma is not a second trauma. And that is what we are doing in rape when somebody's raped and we have an abortion. And there are many studies that show that when women choose abortion after rape, their, um, their issues with depression and suicide and those things go through the roof versus women who choose to either parent or women who choose to place that baby for adoption. Now, I have actually met quite a few women who conceived in rape and kept their children. And they will all tell you that it was the way that the Lord used to heal them from that trauma. And it was the way that the Lord used to bring joy and bring goodness and happiness to that trauma. We have another organization called Love Louder. The founder of that, her name is Jen Christie. She conceived, she was brutally raped years ago and conceived in that rape. And um, she's the one who founded it. And it's a support for women who have conceived in rape or women who've just been raped in general. So that would be another great resource that I would point any woman who that is their issue. If you speak to someone someone who's gone through that, point them in that direction so that they can speak to people who've been there and can talk to them about it. Um, but again, how the baby was conceived doesn't bring or decrease the value of that child. Um, and, you know, oftentimes it's actually what the Lord, the baby is what the Lord will use to bring healing to the woman. Oh, I think that's absolutely beautiful, you know, to see the value in the child, regardless of the sins of the parent. And I think it's beautiful. And, you know, I just wanted to thank you uh, so much for joining us. And you guys, we've obviously been talking with Kelly Lester specifically about the issue of abortion, but also her testimony. You guys have heard a bunch of awesome things. Are there any other websites? I know you're involved with so much, all right? Every time I'm like, oh yeah, that one and that one and that one. Are there any websites or anything you need to plug that you're working on or maybe speaking engagement you're doing that you could tell our audience about before we say goodbye? 
Sure. So ProLoveMinistries.org, P-R-O-L-O-V-E Ministries.org is an umbrella ministry for the pro-life movement. And so Love Louder was one of the ones that I spoke about. Check my clinic. A lot of the resources, Loveline, those fall under that website. So if you are looking for resources for the pro-life movement, go there. Um, there is everything from support for women who um, need counseling. There is, we have a legal arm that is getting um, legal representation for women that have been injured through abortion. We have parenting. I mean, we have all kinds of things. So that is a great one-stop shop. Um, as far as speaking, you know, I'm going to be at CareNet at the conference here in September um, and have a few other things going on. But um, yeah, just pro-love. And, and then there. There were none. Our ministry to abortion workers. Those are, those are my two, those are my two hearts right now. Well, praise God. We thank you so much for sharing your heart with us, and also, you know, kind of going against and bringing down some of these arguments and bringing it back so that people can understand how they can have those conversations and love on people, share with them the truth, and hopefully save some babies and some souls. Let the Lord do that along the way. So thank you again, Kelly Lester, for joining us. And thank you guys for joining us on the Good Fight Radio Show. God bless you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062, or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.